All right, let me, uh, let me wrap up this series on Epic today. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed this. It's been challenging to me. And uh, I want to talk today about happy endings. Every time, uh, thank you, Mario, every good story as, a, as an ending and every epic must come to a close. And I want you to think about something here this morning as we've been talking about our lives and the kind of lives we want to, to live if you were to fast forward and ask yourself this question, you know, how, how will your life end? Or maybe a better way to ask it uh, is not so much that way, but maybe maybe what do you want people to be saying about you? If, if people are thinking about you, if you're at your funeral or whatever and, and, and people are talking about you, what are they saying? You know, what, who were you? What kind of life did you live? Uh, what kind of impact did you have? Um, I remember one of the most fun things I did as a youth pastor was I actually uh, created my own funeral and got to preach at my own funeral. It was awesome. I t- didn't tell the youth group anything other than come dressed up on Tuesday night, wear black, um, and it come really fancy. And we loaded in the church bus, and we headed off to the funeral parlor. I, I was friends with the funeral director, and I said, hey, can, can we borrow a casket, and can we uh, have a funeral here? And they said, well, who? And I said, for me. And he looked at me funny, and so he said, sure, we'll do it. So we got to the funeral parlor, all the kids got off, and I had my picture in the casket. Um, and so they all made their way up front, and they looked in the casket, and there was the youth pastor. Tony, were you there that day? Okay. I thought you might have been there. This is going way back. Um, and then they gave those little cards, you know, like they have at the funeral home, the little cards that give the little uh, bio and all that kind of stuff. And I had that made of me. And then I came out of nowhere uh, and preached my own funeral message, which was pretty awesome because it gives you a chance to think about what kind of life have you lived and what do you want to be saying about this dead person who's really not dead yet, but is going to be dead. Uh, and, uh, and it was awesome. I want you to think that thought. You know, if God's trying to write his story through your life, fast forward a little bit. You know, I'm looking at some young Married couples out here raising kids. And by the way, congratulations, Andrew and Debbie, on uh, child number three. Come on. Um, what do you want people saying about your life, your kids, your family, when your time comes? It's, it's kind of a sobering thought. What do you want to be remembered for? You know, I was thinking about the old hourglass with the sands going through. And if you sit and you stare at an hourglass very long, you realize your life is slipping away. Uh, with each passing moment. When you think about your heartbeat or you think about the, the air you're breathing in right now, you realize you are a mortal. This is not going to happen forever. Our lives are slipping away. And I love what Erwin McManus said. This is a great observation. He said, it's only when we realize that we are terminal that we start treating time with the respect that it deserves. Isn't that good? Here's the news this morning. Every one of us is terminal. By that I mean you have a disease, it's called sin, and it's killing you, uh, and every one of us will die. Um, the good news is, most of us in this room, I think, have received the antidote to that disease. His name is Jesus, and there's going to be life after death. But the bad news is, we're all mortal. And if you were living today as a dead person, or a person with a, an assignment on your life, you knew that it was only a matter of time before you were dead, I think we would pause for a moment and we would have a greater respect for the time that God has given us. It would, it would shape the way that we live our lives. You know, the larger story here that we've been talking about is not just my life, but finding meaning for my life, meaning for your life in the subplot of this series, which was My Life, His Story. 
It doesn't do us any good to just live our own selfish American uh, dream lives, uh, to be pursuing whatever we think is going to make us happy and being the captain of our own ship. We were saying before, we need to figure out there's a larger redemption story that God is writing that he's inviting us to be a part of. And when you and I step into that story, that's when our lives really begin to take on an epic level. We start to be living lives then that matter. We start to be living lives of impact. We start to be living lives that have an eternal significance to us. And so as we wrap up this sermon series today, I want us to take a look at the larger ending that's happening. There's a there's a climax coming to redemption story. And I want to highlight a couple of things this morning just to, to, to put in clear focus as we're thinking about eternity and thinking about God's story that he's writing through us. I want to talk about a king. I want to talk about a kingdom. I want to talk about a crown. And I want to leave you with a challenge this morning. Let's begin with the realization that there is a king involved in this story. And this king reminds us of our primary relationship, which is our relationship with God himself. Take a look at our first passage here on the screen, Revelation uh, chapter 11 and verse 15. It says, this world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. When I was in Pakistan, the first night that we did the crusade, I preached about our great king. I talked about the fact that there's a time coming when all the nations of the world are going to bow their knee to Jesus Christ. And the Lord brought to my mind something that happened at the very end of our trip that I wanted to share with you. Pastor Sam was going through uh, customs there in Dubai, and they opened up his suitcase, and they, they chose his suitcase to look through. And there was a beautiful African lady that was sorting through things, and right there on the top of his suitcase was a book called Penetrating the Darkness. And this woman looked at that book and she said, my life is full of darkness. And she had a voice of desperation. She said, my life is full of darkness. And I'm just telling you, in that country, you feel the oppression. It is a spirit of heaviness in that nation. And uh, she said, I'm dealing with a lot of darkness right now. And Pastor Sam said, well, you know what? That's why I brought this book. And it's no accident that you opened up my suitcase because God loves you. And I want you to have this book. She said, oh, no, 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 I, I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. And he said, no, I want you to have this book because God wants to break the darkness off of your life. And she looked at him and she said, you are an angel sent from God. How many of you know we serve a great king? And he's sovereign and he's powerful and he's going to dominate and control and conquer every pocket of rebellion on this planet. And he's not just a king, he's a daddy and he loves us like his own kids. And he's a good father and he's a great God and he's kind and compassionate and full of mercy. And the fact that God would ordain out of all those people. And why did Pastor Sam bring that book? Because it was for that woman who felt overwhelmed with darkness. I'm thinking, you know, the day is coming when Jesus is going to liberate this planet from darkness. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Every single nation has been created for his glory. And I'm just telling you this morning, the good news of our story is the king is coming. And he's coming with power, and he's coming with might, and he's coming in his sovereign authority, and he's coming to rule and reign over the entire created order, and that is good news. But the second news is 
there's a kingdom that's going to be born. Actually, let me back up. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm looking at the clock going, oh gosh, I have to hurry. But would you grant me a little liberty this morning? I just got to drive this home to you. You're going to meet the king. You're going to spend eternity with the king. What this screams is your primary objective in life, my primary objective in life is to know God. It's not so much in what we're doing. It's in pursuing a relationship with the king of glory. That's why he saved you so that you could know him. He loves you. He wants to overwhelm us with his love. Heaven will not be heaven if God is not there. And heaven will not be heaven if you do not have a love relationship with God. That's the only people that are going to be there. And so I want to drive home the fact we should spend our life pursuing the knowledge and intimacy with God Almighty. That's why we're here. That's what we're going to. That's the ending of this whole story is you and I united with God and with his, with his son, Jesus Christ, forever. Make sure you make seeking first the king the primary objective of your life. Are you with me? I'm trying to get you ready for the grand ending of this story, the climax of this story. It's about a king, and we have to know him. So order your lives around that priority. Second reality I want to hit on here is there's a kingdom coming, which is a reminder of our complete restoration. Revelation 5 verse 10 says this, You have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. What does a priest do? A priest enjoys God and a priest serves people. We're going to be a kingdom of priests. We're going to be a kingdom of God lovers, God enjoyers, and people who serve other people. That's going to be how we're going to use the gifts that God's given us. In fact, we're going to serve each other forever and ever and ever and ever. I love Dr. Brent's honesty. You know, that sometimes the Lord has to slap us around and gently remind us that it's not about us. How I many of you know you find your life by giving it away? You find your life by loving other people. You find your life by not focusing on your needs, but on focusing on somebody else's needs. You find your life on thinking about God and thinking about your relationship to God, not focusing on yourself. And the Bible says we're going to be a kingdom of priests and we're going to reign with the Lord forever and ever and ever. But here's the good news. With the king and with the kingdom comes the restoration of everything that the enemy has stolen from us. Listen to what the Bible says. And I, I want to drive this home in our hearts. Revelation 21 verse 4. God is going to wipe away every tear from your eyes and my eyes. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. No more pain. Can anybody say hallelujah? These things are gone forever. Forever. You know, how many of you remember that ending of the movie Gladiator? Anybody like that movie besides me? It's, it's kind of a, it's, it's the, uh, it's not a chick flick, it's a guy flick. All right. Some of you are going to, uh, all you ladies wrinkling your nose. Every guy in here is like, yeah, go ahead and thump your chest right now if you want to let out a yell. I love that movie. But you remember in that movie, something tragic happened. The bad guys murdered his wife, Maximus' wife. They murdered his son. And when he raced home to find them, you remember him going down that long road with all the fields. And there at the end of the road, when he finally gets to home, there are the mutilated, abused, burned bodies of his wife and of his son. I can't imagine, as a, as a husband and as a father, I can't imagine seeing that sight. And I just have to remind us here this morning, 
Do you know that there are Christian people all over the world right now, as we just, you know, last year was one of the greatest persecutions of Christians globally in the history of history. Um, the number of people that have lost families to the most atrocious kind of tormenting, demonic, wicked torture, just, just, just ugly, fallen human nature, demonized people doing the most hideous things. I cannot imagine seeing that, feeling that. Some of you have lost loved ones in this room, people that, that just passed away or whatever, maybe some lost because of accidents, whatever. But I love the way this movie ends because Maximus has defeated his, his cowardly enemy and he's standing there in the Colosseum and he's weak because of the blood loss, because of the wound that he got. And he's kind of going in and out of consciousness. But as he's coming in and out, he sees a door that he opens and he steps through that door. And it's a powerful scene because he sees the, his home and he sees the fields of wheat blowing there in the breeze. And he sees that road that leads to the place where he experienced his greatest loss. And all of a sudden, though, everything's changed. He looks out down the road and there he sees his son running to daddy. And he looks beyond his son and he sees his wife with a big smile on her face walking towards him. And then it goes back to real life where he collapses to the ground and dies there in the Colosseum. But how many of you know every great story at the movies that's truly inspiring usually involves the restoration of relationships or things that were lost that all of a sudden God or the story brings back. And I'm telling you this, the kingdom that we're receiving will be a kingdom of the full restoration of everything that we've lost. And I don't know what this is going to look like. You know, some people say well, you won't, there won't be any tears in heaven. That's not true because I'm going to be bawling my eyes out. There won't be any tears of pain in heaven. But I can't imagine what it's going to be like seeing people that have lost loved ones in the most horrific ways, murdered, tortured, and seeing the Lord say, come here, I got a surprise for you, and bringing those folks out and seeing the hugs and the kisses and the tears and the healing at the deepest part of who we are. Because we're receiving a kingdom. We're going to be sons of the king. And the king himself is going to restore to us everything that we lost in this side of the battle. And you know what that tells me? Listen, it tells me that there are some fights that are worth having. It tells me there are some sacrifices that are worth making. It tells me that there are some things that are going to happen for the sake of the gospel that are worth allowing to happen because now is not the end of the story. There's a full restoration of everything that we've lost. And I want to encourage you today that only the king of glory has the power to make that happen, but he is absolutely going to make that happen. And you will receive a full inheritance of everything that your life in Christ cost you as you stood for righteousness. There's going to be a complete restoration and a healing of relationships, brokenness, people that have been estranged, people whose lives, and I'm thinking of some of you right now that are dealing with kids that are addicted and things like that. Do you know there's been so much of your life that has been lost because of the enemy twisting and perverting and putting people in slavery? God is going to restore the years that the locusts have eaten, and you're going to enjoy relationships uh, that are going to be absolutely stunning. It's going to be incredible because that's the way epic stories end. It's the restoration of all things. You're also going to receive a crown, which is a reminder of our rich reward. You know, I want to remind us of just some basics here, that how you and I choose to live our lives now really does matter. 
Dr. Brent shared so well that, you know, we're not going to get to heaven on the basis of our good works. We can't do enough good works to overcome our sin and our wickedness and our separation from God. There's not going to be a one of us that's in heaven that didn't get there on the same basis. The mercy and the grace of God demonstrated through Jesus Christ, his son. How many of you can say amen to that? But let me just tell you, we don't all get in by the skin of our teeth. The thief on the cross who said, Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise will not receive the same reward as the apostle Paul. People that, that make choices right here and right now to live for Jesus. People that make choices right now to align your life with God's vision, with God's redemption story, to make difficult choices, to do things that are hard, to say yes to righteousness, to choose obedience to God, to sow, to give, to give your life, to love other people. I'm telling you, there is a reward for that behavior. God says there's a crown, and that crown is symbolic, it's figurative. Uh, it could be a literal crown, but I'm just telling you it's a picture of, of the reward that's coming. Look at what the Bible says in James 1 verse 12. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Talking about for the sake of the kingdom, alright? Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. If you're going through something right now, I remember talking to Mario through tears as he was saying, you know, pastor, I'm just lonely and this is my heart's desire, but you know what? I'm gonna live for God, whatever, and I'm not gonna compromise. I remember praying with him and standing with him. How I many of you know sometimes we have to be patient with God? We have to walk through some things. We, we Everything's not instant in the kingdom of God, but God promises you reward for being patient and enduring even when things, when you haven't got your breakthrough yet. How many Christians do we know? They quit on God before the breakthrough comes. They quit on, oh, the Bible's not true. They quit on the promises of God. God's asking you to be patient and endure even in the face of incredible suffering and trials. And he says, I'm watching it. And for those who endure, there is a great reward on the other side of that. That should motivate us to do what's right. It should motivate us to stay in the game. Motivate us not to back down, not to compromise, not to give up on our convictions when everybody else might be throwing in the towel. The Bible says this. This is in uh, 2 Timothy 4.8. And now the prize awaits me. Everybody say prize. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. There is a reward. There is a prize for running the race well. There's a prize for finishers, not for quitters. There's a prize for honoring God with your life. There's a prize for investing in kingdom things. These are all things that God promises a reward for. He is, he is coming with a crown and a kingdom. I'm telling you, it's worth it. Look what Paul says here, and I'm going to skip a verse, but I'm going to go down to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. He says, for what is our hope, our joy, or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you? He's talking about people. You in the presence of our Lord, at uh, Lord Jesus Christ that is coming. You know, Sometimes we think, oh, hey, I'm going to get a crown. And, you know, it's almost on the same level of like those Burger King cheap crowns we used to get when we went to get a Whopper. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh, cool, a crown. You know, nobody was excited about those, all right? Sometimes it's the same way with the crown we were going to receive. I'd like to suggest to you just a thought that it's not necessarily going to be a nice big honking gold crown, all right? Because we're not used to wearing those anyway. Most of us don't have a crown on this morning, I don't think. But anyway, this is what Paul's saying. 
the crown you're going to rejoice in are the people your life has impacted who are standing with you in the presence of Jesus. And I just want to ask you this question. What does your crown look like right now? If, 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 If I were to ask you, you know, fast forward the tape, the rewards you're going to get are the people whose lives have been impacted through your faithful witness and loving service. Who is it? Who is your crown? There should be names that pop into you. And I'm just giving you a little hint. We got a lot of, a lot of uh, folks that are going to be in the presence of the Lord because of our combined effort as a church. There's about 6,000 Pakistanis that are going to be thanking living stones for being involved in what's happening. I'm just telling you, we're, we're building a legacy together, which is really awesome. But the crown you're going to receive at the end of the day from a life well lived is going to be the impact of your life as Jesus has been allowed to flow through you to touch others. Which means this, sometimes the folks that we think are going to get the biggest crowns really aren't. It's going to be the behind the scenes people that have prayed and loved and served so well and have impacted so many people by their love. I'm telling you, there's a reward coming. There's a crown coming. There's people that were called to impact. And you know, I was reading Matthew 25 this week. The, the headline of Matthew 25 is the final judgment. And you all know the story. The Bible says that God's coming to judge the earth and, the, and that every nation, tribe, tongue, and language is gathered before his throne. I mean, you know, that's going to be an awesome sight. And then the Bible says this. He's going to be separating the sheep from the goats. And again, the, the basis of sheep from, and goats is what have you done with Jesus Christ? Uh, how, how have you responded to what Christ did on the cross for you? It's not the good works, but I want you to see something because it's amazing. When you go on in, in that verse next, it says, uh, they say, well, Jesus, you know, basically the goats are saying, why? how come we're not going with the, those guys? How come you're not accepting us? And Jesus says something. He says um, uh, about the, uh, when, when uh, the, I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was homeless, you, you brought me in. As you've done it unto the least of these, so you've done it unto me. What's that all about? This is what I think Jesus is saying. You know, you can tell when people are saved. You can tell when people have experienced Christ. You know what? They no longer live for themselves. They care about people. You know, when you go to unsaved countries, countries where there's idol worship and stuff like that, people aren't nice. People don't, I'll just give you a hint. People don't smile. I can't tell you how many times in India I was like practically knocked over by people just bumping into you and they don't even bother to say like, excuse me. Or how many times I smiled at somebody on the plane and and they just looked at me back like I was weird. Um, No, I'm not weird. I'm saved. I care. How about you? Jesus is saying the day is coming. We're going to stand before God. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. He's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And he says the basis upon which I'm looking at your life is how well have you loved me and how well have you loved people. It's pretty powerful. How we live our lives really does matter. I want to mention this too. You know, you got to find a tribe to do this together. I hope Living Stones is your tribe. You need people in your life that challenge you to be the best version of you. You know, I made the joke about Pastor Dick. When we, when we stuck our necks out and we did that big 30-day tent, some of you read about us in the newspaper, um, all hell broke loose. I mean, all hell broke loose. We 30 days straight of worship and prayer and praying for people, preaching the gospel, and man, the, oh, all hell broke loose. When that thing ended, I was actually kind of grateful. But I am on staff with Pastor Dick. Pastor Dick came up to me and said, hey, next year, let's get a bigger tent. I love that guy. 
You need people in your life that when you're thinking, I don't know if I want to try that again, they say, let's get a bigger tent next time. Let's pick a bigger fight. Let's give more. Let's sacrifice more. Let's believe for more. You can do it. We believe in you. Yeah, go for that. Yeah, start your own business. Yeah, do this, do that. You need a tribe that's challenging you to move farther, faster, bigger, broader than you could ever go by yourself. Are you hearing what I'm saying? With, with Brent and Pastor Sam, we're going to teach these students and everybody's worried about curriculum and notes and everything like that. And I've been around a little bit longer, at least in that context. I said, look guys, chill out. We may not even get to the notes. We're not here for an information download. We're here to tell a bunch of 18 to 20 year old kids that they can go take their village for Jesus. We're here to be dads. We're here to encourage them. We're here to tell them we believe in you. We're here to tell them we're proud of you. We're here to tell them we're in covenant with you. That's what we're here to do. We're here to simply breathe life into their vision and let them run the race. We need people like that in our lives. You need to have a tribe. You need to have people around you. You need to have people around you that know you well enough to kick you in the rear end when you're ready to quit or when you're wanting to play it safe or when you're wanting to just, ah, I think I'll just sit back. Then it will get in your face and challenge you. Don't you dare. God is writing a story through your life. There's a, there's an epic climax coming. You're not going to fizzle out. You're going to explode at the end of your life. You're not going to gradually go into irrelevance. Your best days are ahead of you. We need people to tell us this. People to tell us, stop looking at your past and start believing that the future in God is waiting for you. You're not too old. Life's not passed you by. You need the body of Christ to do this. You need people that believe in you. Now, I'd never been to Pakistan before, but I'm glad I found two crazy people who wanted to come along because that gave me confirmation. You're like, oh, you guys are going to go? Oh, yeah, yeah, let's do this together. Yeah, let's do this. Misery loves company, but so do dreamers love company. You have to be around people who fuel your dream, people who believe in you, people who love you. Find your tribe. I don't want to be a part of a tribe that wants to just sit back and play it safe. We may end up having to do another tent down the road. A bigger one. <laughs> and I'm going to need people around me to say, yeah, that's a good idea. All right. We're going to be going to nations that might be scary nations. Nations that don't have amusement parks to go to on your free day. All right. But they need Jesus and you need people that'll say, yeah, let's do that. Sometimes you're going to be tempted to withdraw on your face regarding your finances. You need some men of God around you to say, come on, let's believe God. Let's keep sowing, even though we're not seeing a harvest yet. You need people that encourage you along the journey. I want to encourage you guys with a final challenge here that we're not going to live with anything left. We, we, want, we don't want to save anything for the next life. We want to spend it all now. We want to go to our grave with nothing left. Come on, any athletes in this room? What was it? Your coach challenged you all the time. Come on, don't hold anything back. Make sure you spend it all on the field so you go home and sleep well at night, right? You give it all. How come we don't talk this way in church? 
How come we don't encourage one another this way in church? Come on, go for it. You know, it's not what you have left at the end of your life. It's what you don't have left at the end of your life, which determines whether or not you lived it correctly. I want to challenge you. Let's not leave anything undone. Let's not hold anything back. Let's not sit back passively and watch life happen. Let's make sure we're not an audience. We're not observers. We're participants in this thing called life. I love what Erwin McManus says here. He says, when God has your heart, you can trust your desires. His will is not a map. It is a match. He shows you the way by setting you on fire. You will know God's desire for you by the fire in you. The fire in you will light the way. Isn't that awesome? And we were singing about fire today. I had no idea, but we were talking about light the fire. I believe this. God's will for you is not so much, oh, I have to make a decision here. Do I make the right decision? Do I make the wrong decision? It's not like a rigid map. Here's, here's the will of God. God lights you on fire. He causes your heart to burn with things that cause his heart to burn. And then guess what? We have opportunities all around us every single day to pursue our passions. In fact, I'll tell you this. Your tears are indicators of your of God's will for your life. What are you crying about? What are you crying about? What breaks your heart? You know, I shared first service. For $100... About 50 kids can be taught to read and write and can be given at least a shot at getting out of that slavery, making bricks for the rest of their lives for $4 per thousand bricks. A hundred bucks will pay for a teacher. You know, Pastor John was sharing some of this stuff with me. He wasn't pressuring. He wasn't begging for money and any of that stuff. But I know that burdens his heart because he wants to give these kids hope. That's just one brick kiln. There's brick kilns all, all over. Now, here's the deal. Some of you, you might not be able to go to Pakistan. You'll never be able to set feet there. But somebody in this room, I would think, has a 100 bucks. Here's the question I'm asking you. If you knew 50 kids could have a completely different legacy for a 100 bucks, that might be tempting. If you believe that there's a king coming, that there's a kingdom that you're going to inherit, that there's a crown of reward for the righteous, and that the only crown that you're going to be wearing on your head is the people that you're going to impact, that might not be a bad investment for a wise investor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When I'm looking at the orphanage full of 25, 30 kids with 15 kids packed in a room, uh, and, and that's, that's their only shot at life. Two beautiful, beautiful sisters. You could tell they were sisters by the similarities. I asked them, are you sisters? They both smiled. Oh my gosh. Every, I got somebody email me, pastor, I'd love to take these people home. Yeah, wouldn't we all? But that's not going to happen. But you know what? We can invest in their lives there. Perhaps I'm not putting any burden on anybody. I'm just challenging you. There are opportunities all around us. What causes your heart to burn? If you're born again, you have a heart that burns with the things that, that touch God's heart. Follow your tears. I end with this story. I'm, thank you for your patience. We went over a little bit today. But I'm going to end with a powerful story from one of my mission's heroes. His name is Raymond Lowe. Raymond Lowe was ministering to the Muslim people back in 1235, a long time ago. Came from a wealthy family, lived a profligate life. He was uh, living a sinful life. But God interrupted him with a series of visions of himself. And God captured this man's heart as a young boy, a young man, rather. And he was an apostle to the Muslim people. He spent his life learning their language, and he would challenge the leaders 
uh, intellectually and show them why Islam did not hold up intellectually and show them why Christianity was superior. I mean, this guy was brilliant, uh, and he loved, he loved the Muslim people. Uh, he was kicked out of his village. At the age of 79, he went back home. He was teaching at a university, and he figured, you know what, I'm going to spend the rest of my days teaching these students and preparing them for the mission field. There's nothing the matter with that. It's a great calling at age 79. And then finally he said, you know what? I don't want to stay here in the United States teaching in a nice university when my heart burns for Christ and burns for the Muslim people. And this is what he wrote. This is powerful. He said, um, men are wont to die, O Lord, from old age, the failure of natural warmth and excess of cold. But thus, if it be thy will, thy servant would not wish to die. He would prefer to die in the glow of love even as you were willing to die for him. He said, you know what? I can die by just the lack of life gradually going out of my body, or I can die fully alive with my heart blazing for Jesus and for people. And this is what he did at the age of 80. He gets on a plane or boat or whatever they had back then. Well, I guess there was a boat. There was no planes back in 12, whatever. All right. He got on whatever transportation he had, and he goes back over there to the very village that kicked him out, banned him from the village. He spent a year undercover discipling believers. And then he got to the point where he said, you know what? I'm just sick of being undercover. 80 years old. I'm sick of being undercover. I'm sick of the oppression. And, 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 I, and I'm ready to go out with a blaze of glory. He walks out into the market. And this is the testimony. At length, weary of seclusion and longing for martyrdom. He came forth into the open market and presented himself to the people as the same man who they once had expelled from their own town. It was Elijah showing himself to a mob of Ahabs. Lull stood before them and threatened them with divine wrath if they persisted in their errors. He pleaded with love, but spoke plainly the whole truth. The consequences can be easily anticipated. Filled with fanatic fury at his boldness and unable to reply to his arguments... The populace seized him and dragged him out of the town, and there by the command of the king, they stoned him to death on June the 30th, 1315. Now, I'm not suggesting today that we all need to leave here and go find somebody, you know, preach on the corner, have somebody kill us, and we all become martyrs. That's not what I'm saying. But here's what I'm saying. The spirit of this is what we should be after. I'm telling you, you might be out here today, you're 80 years old, and you're thinking, well, what am I going to do? Your life, in some ways, is just beginning. Why don't you burn out for God? Why don't you go hard all the way to the end? Why don't you encourage the next generation with everything that's in you? Why don't you give sacrificially to, to causes that matter? Why don't you use your wisdom and your leverage of what you have at this season of your life? Your body might be getting frail. You might not have the energy that you have. But use what you have and spend it all before you leave. Is there not a one of us in this room that doesn't want to have that spirit that says, you know what, I want to go take on the giants of my culture, the idols of my culture. I want to go poke the devil in the eye. I want to start a fight. I want to do something for God's glory. I don't just want to die from old age. I want to live my life. I want to live it fully. There's a story God's writing. I want it to be a good one. I want to end strong. Yeah, I started off bad. Yeah, I floundered in the middle. Yeah, I made mistakes. But so what? It doesn't matter how you started. It matters how you finish the race. That's what matters. Come on, let's get up. Let's get up. Let's get up.
Time is passing. There's an urgency. Some of you are saying, yeah, that's right. Go ahead and stand up. I, I need to get up. <laughs> Somebody's saying, yes, pastor. Yes, pastor. I'm up. What else do you want us to do? I don't know yet. I'm confused. All right. But I do want to stir you. This is a powerful tribe here. All right. You guys with me? This is a powerful tribe. God can do some great stuff with us. And I'm just saying, let's make sure that he does. Let's make sure that he does. I want to dream bigger than we've ever dreamed. I want to do more than we've ever done. I want to reach out more. I want to stretch our faith. I want to believe God. Are you with me? I want to pray big prayers. I want to see big answers. I want to see the supernatural. I want signs and wonders to be moving in America. I want revival in this country. I still got land we've seen. We felt like God gave us. I've got there's buildings that are going to be popping up that haven't even existed yet. There's people that are going to be in here that haven't even been saved yet. There's families that are going to be raised up in this place. There's marriages going to be healed here. There's nations that are going to be reached. There's roar schools popping up like crazy right now. We don't even have the resources yet, God, in our hands to know how to handle all this, God. But we're excited. And God, we want an epic story for your glory, Lord Jesus. So God, I just pray, help us. Help us, help us, help us, help us to encourage one another, to stir up the giftings within us, and God, to go for big endings, big, 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 big stuff, kingdom stuff. God, not to hesitate, not to shrink back, not to play it safe. Lord, I pray that dreams would awaken in our hearts. You know, some of you folks, I tell these stories, and you're thinking, man, you know, wouldn't it, you might not be able to change the whole world, but what would happen if you loved on 25 orphans? Or what would happen if you invested in 50 kids getting taught to read? And maybe one of those 50 is the next apostle to, to uh, pa- Pakistan. God only knows. But I'm just encouraging you, let's just dream. Let's love people. Let's invest. Let's, let's make sure we're impacting as many people as we can for Jesus while we're here. Let's not play it safe. Lord, help us. Help us, help us, help us. Do great things, Lord, through this church family. May epic be stamped over the banner of this church, that we're an epic church for an epic king, an epic story that you're writing. God, do it for your glory, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Hey, love you all. Marriage class at 4 o'clock. Go go tackle somebody this week, all right, for the kingdom. Do something great. Amen.